0: So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode.
1: Hey
2: there and welcome to this week's episode of Jewelry Navigator Podcast. This week my guest is Emma Hoekstra. She's founder of Emma Elizabeth Jewelry and winner of this year's Halstead Grant. It seems as if everything's going really well for her. And while we hope joy and celebration prevail in our lives, loss, grief, healing, and discovery remain unavoidable to the human experience. After the loss of her boyfriend in a tragic car accident, Emma reclaimed her joy and purpose through a process of healing through jewelry design, which eventually led to the winning submission of this year's Halstead grant. Using metalsmithing and jewelry fabrication as forms of expression and cathartic therapy, Emma worked through her grief and emerged with an ability to intertwine feeling, aesthetic, and dimension into jewelry collections defined by her signature tagline, confident, edgy, and unique. Emma's courage and focus are inspirational, and her jewelry is unique and captivating. To see her latest collections and bespoke creations, visit EmmaElizabethJewelry.com or her Instagram page at EmmaElizabethJewelry. Without further delay, I
3: hope you enjoy the episode and welcome aboard. All right, Emma, well, thank you so much for joining me today here on Jewelry Navigator Podcast. I'm so excited to share your story, and you have a lot to share. So let's start with you, and um, what I want to introduce, because it is so captivating, is your tagline, which describes a lot about who you are as a designer and what your jewelry designs are speak to. And your tagline is confident, edgy, and unique. So I'll let you take it from here and tell us a little bit about that, how you came up with it, and how you got your start in designing jewelry.
1: Hi, Brenna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, Sure. So um, my story and its progression is actually what brought me to that tagline. So I think that would be a great place to start. Okay. Um, so I started out going to college at a local community college, and I started out thinking that I wanted to be an art teacher. I knew it was really creative, and I just didn't know how I could use my creativity um, and what career path. So I thought, you know, I would really like to teach, and so that's where I started. However, right before... I transferred from community college to a local state college, Grand Valley State University. Um, my boyfriend was in a car accident and he passed away. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was really a hard um, time. And, you know, it's something that you don't just get over and it's moving forward. It's been, you know, it's my story. So, um, yeah, so when I Started Grand Valley, this was a month after Evan had passed away. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, um, introduced to my first jewelry and metalsmithing class. And it kind of became a way for me to cope um, and, and work through some of my grief. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my first pieces had to do with my loss. And I was, I feel like at the start, it was like I was trying to bring Evan back to me. And in in certain ways, I had a clay fingerprint of his um, that I used in a brooch for a project that we had to do. We had to create a brooch um, with a found object. And I used this clay thumbprint. And we never baked it, so it actually kind of like tragically cracked, but I thought that added kind of to the beauty of the brooch. And I had it was circular. And then the clay fingerprint was prong set in the center. And then there were like spears, um, puncturing through the circle, and it kind of lined up right with the crack of the fingerprint. Um, so it was kind of more like there, it was really like, traumatic. And I think that that piece, you know, you look at it and you can see that and you can get that feeling. Um, and then from there, we had to create like a reliquary holding something really special to us. And I had a single rose that he had given me and I had saved it. So I built um, a reliquary with gold leaf on the inside to hold this rose. And then on the cover, um, I forged my own rose and soldered it on the top. Um, so then you would open it up and there would be his rose and it, it just would kind of glow. Um, so then from there, my grief kind of transitioned and it, and it turned into, you know, what if, what if I were to pass away? What would, what would my loved ones have of me to hold on to? And the project was that we had to pick a piece of historic jewelry and then make our own contemporary version of it and I was very inspired by Victorian morning jewelry my teacher also is really inspired by that so it kind of caught my eye and so I made um, these pieces of jewelry that um, I used the lost wax casting method and I reached into the wax and I squeezed it in my palm and what came out was like this, uh, almost skeletal structure, but it captured all my fingerprints. And it was like, if somebody else were holding onto it, it would be like their hand fitting into mine. So like they were holding my hand and it was just kind of this beautiful, um, feeling. And so I I did make a few of those for people and it, it really caught on really quickly and people really liked it. Um, but it's kind of something i put on the back burner. If somebody wanted one, I definitely would make one for them because it does mean a lot to me. Mm -hmm. So from there, um, I, I think my grief kind of transitioned and so I was feeling very vulnerable and I did not want to feel that way and I didn't want to be hurt again. So I was starting to think about protection. So I started making pieces of jewelry um, like weaponized pieces, pieces of jewelry. Uh, so I mean, you could kind of see now how there's still some of those sharp, edgy um, characteristics in my pieces. So that kind of has transferred throughout. But it kind of got a little bit scary there, so I I abruptly stopped with with that route. Uh-huh. And <laughs> <laughs> then we were <laughs> as we as I moved on. It was maybe my second or third third year we had to start thinking about production line work. Right after that I had the opportunity to study abroad and so I took as many of the metal smithing classes that I could at Grand Valley and I wanted to put more. So why not study abroad? You get to go live in another country and I got to learn more about this my passion metal smithing. While I was abroad I was learning more technique. And I wasn't like completing a a whole piece of jewelry, it was more to, to learn the techniques. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got a little bit of a step back. And I kind of got to, to breathe a second and to kind of see like, okay, what what do I want to do? And I knew that when I got back, I had to do my senior show. um, And that's basically putting together a collection um, for, for this show, and then you're graded on it. And when I got back home, that is when I would say Emma Elizabeth jewelry and its aesthetic was born. Kind of weird to say it that way. <laughs> but um, that's where if you, look, if you saw my collection, then you'd, you'd, you'd see how it's continued on um, okay. since then. But now my collection, so, you know, going through those stages of grief to now it's, or even to then, I was beginning to, like, accept my story mm-hmm. and to embrace it and to say, you know what, this is me, this is what I went through, and I was kind of finding myself back and I was starting to feel confident with with all of that. Um, and I found, I find it really important that, you know, this is what I went through and you know, other people, we all have these hard things and I just feel like it's my calling to share my story to help other people who might be going through something similar. So that's kind of where it gets me to the this tagline that I chose. So I hope by embracing and sharing my story that it will inspire you or other people to do the same with theirs, and that wearing my my bold jewelry, it will make them feel or you feel confident, edgy, and unique.
3: Oh, my gosh. I have to tell you, I have tears in my eyes right now. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Because (laughs) you're still still a relatively young woman. I don't know how old you are, but from your pictures... (laughs) I can tell mm-hmm. you're very young and to have experienced a loss like this at such a young age and not have um I don't know um I don't I don't know how I mean obviously you have come through it beautifully and your jewelry process has been part of your cathartic journey but To be able to come through it and persevere and be a survivor of this kind of grief is amazing. And to want to do something of purpose with your jewelry is even more beautiful. It just makes it all that more meaningful. Um, I really commend you, you, Emma. I know what you've done is a lot of hard work, not just by the sheer fact of being in school and studying abroad and doing all the work that was involved with everything that you did and then applying for the Halstead Grant, but the work that you've done on yourself for you know healing and growing and moving on and not holding on to the grief but allowing it to transform you from that point on is just such a beautiful statement to your whole jewelry story. I mean, it's not just about the jewelry. It's about what you're doing with it and what you hope to do to help others with it.
1: Thank you, Brenna. You brought tears to my eyes there. (laughs) Uh, But it is, this is really important to me. And, you know, Evan didn't get to live out his hopes and his dreams. So that is kind of a real thing that drives me is that, you know, he didn't get to do that. And I have this opportunity to do that. And so it's kind of, you know, for him or, and, and, and in his honor in a way, too.
3: Mm-hmm, exactly. Oh, that's beautiful. So let's move on from when you decided and you came up with your tagline, confident, edgy, and unique, how that's evolved into the next stage of your of your jewelry line and the process of deciding to, how how you even found out about the Halstead Grant, um, what's involved, what the award entails, and then what you had to do to, um, to apply for it.
1: Sure, uh, so the Halstead Grant is a grant for emerging jewelry artists um, who have been selling for less than three years. And I first heard about it while I was at Grand Valley in 2017, and that was the first time that I applied. Um, And I think it's really important to kind of tell you at this point, too, what the application process is like. And I always kind of describe it as similar to writing a business plan. They present you with 15 um, pretty in-depth questions about your business and um, what your strategy is. So looking back... Now, or even last year, at my previous applications, I've been able to kind of see how my vision over the year became more clear um, and where it became more focused. So that's been kind of really a really um, helpful thing. Um, sorry. what was the question?. <laughs>
3: I know, I think I layered that too much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot in there.
3: Let's start with, I don't think a lot of people listening may not know what Halstead is. So um, let's start with what Halstead is and then talk about the grant that they offer. Let's
1: start with that. Okay. So Halstead Speed is a jewelry finding company out of Prescott, Arizona. And um, I believe Hillary Halstead Scott's parents came up initially with this idea of a grant for emerging jewelry artists. And this is the 14th year, Mm -hmm. which is really, really cool. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just so thankful that they came up with this idea and um, had this opportunity available for emerging artists like me. Um, right. Yeah, so I've actually met Hillary a few times too, just through um, networking and nec- networking events. I've seen her at snag. Um, I also um, worked for these two other jewelry artists in my area. Um, Lisa Lehman Designs and Julie Sanford Designs, and they also had a, have a relationship with Hillary as well. So I kind of got to know her and hear more about the grant through these wonderful mentors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so at, while I was at Grand Valley, that's when I first kind of heard about the grant, and I kind of feel like once that seed was planted, even though I may have never voiced it, that this was something that I was going to do. And I gave it a a try my first, my first year in 2017. And, you know, I laugh a little bit looking back on that grant because I really didn't know um, much about, I guess, the direction that I wanted to go. But it is really cool. That's what I was saying is it's really cool to look back and see how much my application has changed over the years and how, how it has become more honed in and more focused And it. I have more of a clear vision now. So the Holstead grant, I guess we should I should explain that now, is um, for emerging jewelry artists who have been selling for less than three years. And it is for um, silver jewelry artists. And um, yeah, so the application is basically like writing up a business plan. They ask you a lot of really in-depth, hard questions about your business strategy.
3: I love how they get you thinking. And when I say you, I'm talking about a creative mind who's used to starting at their bench with an inspiration. And all they know is they want to make this thing in their head. So coming up with a concept from sketch to all the way to a a piece of jewelry I love how Halstead has has pushed you or they did push you through the application process to kind of think of building a platform and a foundation on which you can begin to build the other aspect of your design concepts, which means figuring out how you're going to get them out into the world. And they probably had you know, other, other aspects of the business that maybe a designer or creative wouldn't necessarily think about, empowering you to combine both your, your creativity and also teaching you how to run a small business at the same time so that when you come through this process, it sounds like you're pretty much ready to go.
1: Absolutely, yep.
3: Great. Oh, that's wonderful. So you said the first time you applied was in 2017.
1: Um, sure. Yeah, so 2017, um, I applied and I I didn't place. They do give uh, general feedback, so I did get a list of general feedback that I read thoroughly. And then, you know, I had a whole year until I, well, not until I applied again, but I was, you know, thinking through that whole year how I could change my application. And, man, I was out of school then, so I had maybe a bit more time on my hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was able to kind of pick the brains of my mentors who – I'm so thankful for because they really didn't hold back any information from me on how they run their business businesses. And then in 2018, I placed in the top five after okay. applying, and that was just really reassuring. And, you know, after this year winning, all I have to say is that it just – it is so affirming to me because it just kind of tells reassures me that I am on the right track and um, it, all the feedback has just been so encouraging and that alone has been really beneficial to me.
3: Sure. What were some of the most valuable key pieces you feel contributed to your winning the award?
1: So I kind of would say that I had a pretty good idea of, you know, where I was going with a collection um, before um, working with these um, wonderful ladies. But what, what I really picked up and was able to learn from them was more in the studio and how to have, like, fill out a collection. And I also went as um, an assistant to help teach classes at one time, at or a couple times at Beat and Button, and I also helped Julie um, do shows and art fairs. So I got a behind-the-scenes um, look at how to do that. So mm-hmm. I wasn't nervous doing my first show. I knew everything that I needed to have. I knew what the setup took, and I was prepared. And another great thing, too, is you're working... I had the opportunity to work in two different home studios. Well, actually one was a home studio, the other, she owns a makerspace slash gallery. So I kind of got to see the makerspace side Um, and I worked in her studio as well. So I got to see what tools she used and that helped me decide what tools I needed. Um, Same for Lisa, I kind of got to kind of, you know, not, purchase something and then realize, oh, yeah, I don't need that. No, because I got to work with them and see what I would need.
3: Without you realizing it, you were, doing, you were doing the best thing you could to prepare for the next step of your business, but not only that, to reapply and then eventually win the Halstead Grant Award. So that's just super exciting.
1: Yeah, and I probably should have mentioned this before, earlier when I was talking about my story. Mm-hmm. Um, I did... I met Julie because I did an internship through Grand Valley and I did an internship with her. um, And so that I was more of like an event coordinator for her at her makerspace slash gallery. And then it turned into me getting a job there, working for her as an assistant in the studio. And I also worked in the gallery a little bit as well.
3: Okay. All super helpful experience. I'm sure you're so grateful to them for everything that they've done and they'll be lifelong mentors and friends for sure.
1: Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I have a I have a trip planned where we're we're all kind of going to Tucson and we'll be spending some days together while we're there. So I'm okay. really excited.
3: Yes. Yeah, that's going to be that'll be fun. Well, let's go um before we before we go on to the next subject that you and I both know we were going to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about your designs because I'm scrolling through your website right now. And the first thing that comes to my mind, it's very understated, but at the same time has um, an elegant but archaic feel to it, but in a very appealing way that makes you want to know more about it. Okay, here's one. These... Are so intriguing the dagger studs I just oh yeah yeah Um, they're beautiful they're like a like almost like a triangular cage Mm
1: -hmm. but
3: it's almost what's the word organic and very captivating tell tell us a little bit about how you come up with designs like that and what are the inspirations behind your more streamlined kind of architectural baseline which kind of seems to be the backdrop of a lot of your jewelry pieces it's it's very architectural to me but in an organic Mm -hmm. way
1: so I believe that that um the architectural I call it the architectural sophistication line it started Mm -hmm. while I was at Grand Valley I created a pair of earrings um that caged a stone in the inside and that was that that was the start of it and that's kind of i've transferred that on throughout and i've been looking for all these different ways for how i can use that shape and that structure Um, one thing that i really find about my work and what i enjoy is i don't necessarily make create too many pieces that lay flat i like to build pieces off the body and there's just something about that construction and that of me building this piece. It's hard for me to explain even like <laughs> what it what it means or where it came from. It it it's just creating this little piece of architecture. But I would say that as far as what inspires me, it can be anything. I mean, when I was in Italy, I was I was told by a mentor that I should look at the architecture and draw things down. And, and I, I don't think that I necessarily work that way. I kind of have an eye for maybe what, what is a good composition or what's aesthetically pleasing. My visionary dimensions line, that's the one with the little square details that Mm -hmm. was inspired from me watching Supergirl. And when I tell people that, they can immediately connect to the dots because there is this elegance of, of the pieces and the angles and the lines. But then there's also this futuristic or visionary aspect as well. And that's, my, that's the best way that I can really explain, explain it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I really want to create striking bold pieces that are one of a kind and that, that, that are different. I want to stand out from what else is out there and I want to have, I want to be able to, to, I want someone to be able to look at my pieces and know that it was me who made them. So that's been really important to me throughout the designing process to carry that through. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense.
3: I can definitely see all those qualities that you were just talking about, how, um, the how you build your up from the base that you create from and i i that's so cool to know that the visionary collection was inspired by supergirl and how it just kind of all comes together as you know a futuristic appeal or aesthetic but at the same time it's very classical
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i do get i do get that term a lot classic classical so that yeah it's really cool that you even see that as well
3: good good see then you know you're you're doing the right thing and you're going in the right direction yeah. it makes it even more exciting when someone can without really knowing a whole lot about the details and the story behind your collections that you can convey that without even telling anybody which is really really cool mm-hmm. and then you use a lot of cabochon cut stones which for those mm-hmm. of you listening a cabochon cut stone is smooth on the top rather than rather than being faceted mm-hmm. so it's a lot of stones like um, the jaspers and turquoise and um, more organic feeling stones which are are perfect for your pieces how do you come across your pieces, your your gemstones? And when you find them, do you have an idea what you're going to use for them? Or do you just collect and, and create a library of gemstones?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, so it really could go either way because I, when I first was starting, it was more I was collecting stones that called my name. And normally they have to be, Um, very unique in, like, the pattern as well as very contrasted and bold colors. Um, Mm -hmm. So it kind of started out that way, and then as my ideas would come into my brain, like, I would be looking through my stones, and it would be like, oh, my word, that's a stone. Mm -hmm. And then as I was coming up with more designs to kind of fill out my collection or each line in my collection – um then I kind of got a better idea of like what to look for so like when I go to Tucson there's a big rock and gem and mineral show in February I will have a list written down in a booklet of okay I need five large statement stones for a big statement necklace and I'll have a specific shape in mind I really like a good point or a good angle Um, but I have been finding that angles are also really hard to work with and something that I initially wouldn't pick out in a stone was square or round or oval because I kind of was like I got to keep that that edge mm-hmm. but I kind of noticed that kind of like what you said like the organicness it matters and so my my stones don't necessarily need to have that angular um, shape in order to fit into my brand but mm-hmm. it kind of what I build around the stone is what's gonna um bring in that aesthetic so okay. yeah it really goes either way for me with when I choose my stones, and but it does feel really good when I see something and I just know what it's going to be
3: yeah, yeah. You know what that speaks to me is that you've become really comfortable as a designer because you can go either way. You don't have to restrict yourself to looking for one thing in particular at a gem show or a gem supplier and keep your options closed. Your options are wide open because now you can see you have the experience and you have the confidence of creating pieces that work around a gemstone that you're not limited. So Mm -hmm. you pick up things knowing you like it just because you like it, and someday you'll use it and you'll figure out how. So I think that speaks volumes to your growth as a designer.
1: Well, thank you. It's also very dangerous because your stone collection can grow very quickly if you just pick what you like. (laughs) That's right. But
3: that's that's one reason why we're in it is to be surrounded by beautiful things.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
3: And rocks, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for explaining a little bit more about your collection and you have to go see Emma's website. It's wonderful. And and as we wrap up here in a few minutes, I'll have her share with us where you can find her in the coming weeks because it sounds like she's going to be doing a few shows and appearances and events. So I'm ex- I'll i be excited to share that. But as we Talk about how you design either around a stone or around a collection. I'm sure you've been getting a lot of great feedback from clients or um, new clients, people who, you know, prospective clients who reach out to you and ask you for specific things. You just posted, published a really valuable blog post explaining what one of the concepts of custom design is all about and it's a term that i didn't really understand you hear it all the time but it up until a few years ago i had never heard of the word bespoke so let's talk a little bit about your process um for working with you if someone wants to create something specific custom or special, yep. or in that case, bespoke. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what bespoke means and how uh, someone can go about contacting you and um, getting that process started?
1: Sure. So that, that blog post is a great way to start, and that's at com. Um, mm-hmm. But... I, and you'll read this there, I like to define bespoke jewelry as a piece of jewelry that's already spoken for. So bespoke came from an old English word bespeak, which means to speak for or to speak on behalf of. So the way that I use bespoke would mean that it's something that's custom made and tailored to your requirements, thus a piece of jewelry that's already spoken for. Mm -hmm. So Basically, you tell me the type of jewelry you're looking for, whether that's an earring, a pair of earrings, a cuff, a ring, or maybe it's, some, it's something with a specific stone. And I, do, I get that a lot. I actually have somebody who wants me to find them a Petoskey stone so I can make them an, a pendant. Um, so I know where to look. And so, yeah, use me as a resource to help you find those stones. And then I also do jewelry remodels. If you have old gold jewelry that you don't wear anymore, you should be wearing it. You should be wearing that gold. So have me make it into something contemporary or something more timeless. I love doing those kind of projects. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. you tell me. And then after talking over a few other details, maybe we'll do that via email or over the phone, whatever works for you. Um, and after the stone is chosen, I typically draw up three unique designs and then they get to choose which one they want to go with. And then um, a great place to kind of get ideas is is my website. Um, most of the designs that I create can be remade, but maybe with a different stone, because maybe it's not always possible to find the exact same stone, but that's the fun in it. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's a stone that speaks to you. So I always recommend people to look there. My um, aesthetic does carry over into my bespoke designs um, most of the time. Um, But then uh, another great resource is my bespoke gallery, which is on my bespoke page on my website. And that Mm -hmm. shows you all of the past work that I've done, and you can go there for more information as well.
3: That's great. Yeah, I'm looking on your bespoke page right now, and there's so many beautiful pieces. And a lot of them you. are... You know, even outside of your aesthetic, somewhat like the ones with the faceted gemstones, still yep. very architecturally pleasing and beautiful, but different from some of your, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what's fun about working with, with people on specific requests is that you get to kind of stretch your, your creative boundaries and, and experiment with and learn about new designs and things like that. So that's wonderful. Yeah.
1: I'm really glad you said that because that is so true. It is, it is a nice break from what I've always been doing, even though I love it and it is a great creative space. But it is really healthy to explore other design options as well. And a lot of the times when I do create something new and different, I will transfer that over into my current collection in one way or another.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's really a great challenge. It
3: is, and it's um, it's just all part of the evolution of your, of your experience and how you're sharing that through your collection and your designs, which is what what it's all about. Mhm. So earlier you mentioned you're preparing for a few events. Why don't you share those with us and where people can find you?
1: Sure. So currently there is an event going on at shop or the smithery and that is in columbus ohio they have a exhibition for contemporary earrings and they also hopefully sometime before christmas will be receiving a small collection of emma elizabeth jewelry so if you're in that area that's a great place to start um or to go and check out some of my pieces and then Another up, local upcoming event would be Lowell Arts Holiday Artist Market. And that is November 14 through December 22. So that's going to be a great place to look for some last, or some Christmas, to do some Christmas shopping um, and also some last minute Christmas shopping as well. And then um, one of the bigger holiday markets will be UICA. I will be there, I will be set up. Um, with my jewelry collection, and it is December 7th, and that's local as well, and that's at Steelcase Town Hall, and that's um, Grand Rapids, Michigan is where I'm located. Okay. So that's kind of what I have coming up.
3: Okay, great. Um, and then the Lowell, where is that? Is that in Grand Rapids as well?
1: Yep, that's in Lowell, Lowell Michigan.
3: Okay. Okay, great. So for all of you in Michigan, if you didn't know about Emma, you need to go see her. And um, I'll be in Columbus, Ohio, towards the end of November, so I will try oh, to awesome. make it. Yes, I'll try to make it over to the Smithery. I remember seeing them uh, coming across their website at one point, and it's very interesting. I love any place that supports, you know, interesting, unique jewelry by emerging and. Um, established designers, so I'm looking forward to yeah. going and visiting there. I'll have to give them a heads up that I'll be coming and want to see yes. Elizabeth jewelry.
1: <laughs> yes, then they have a great collection of other jewelry designers and jewelry artists, um, and so I'm just so excited to be there, and I'm excited they want me in this store.
3: Oh, that's great. Well, it sounds like it's just going to keep on growing and there are going to be more galleries and stores, boutiques who are going to be interested. And I I hope that anybody listening will be interested and um, go and see you either in Michigan or look you up on your website and be in contact and start a collection of their own of Emma Elizabeth Jewelry. Yep.
1: And I should probably mention that I do have um, a deadline for uh, holiday bespoke orders, and that is November 25th. So that's just a little over a month away. So, yeah, head to com.
3: Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much, Emma, for sharing your story and being so courageous and continuing on and, um, you know, representing your creative gifts to the world, even though you suffered such a, a tragic loss at such a young age a young part of your adult life and thank you for sharing it with all of us and especially here on the podcast
1: thank you for you know a lot having me here to to share my story you know it is it has been a really hard um thing to go to to have gone through but it's such a blessing now to kind of see um, how far I've come. And like you said, now I have this opportunity to to help other people and walk beside them as well. So yeah, I really appreciate you having me and just so excited to see what's next.
3: <laughs> Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And I look forward to sharing your story and see, seeing what happens with your career. Thank you. You're welcome.
2: I just loved sharing Emma's story with you today. It has so much meaning and especially the background of her story and the tragedy that she's come through and how her jewelry has created a message of healing and how she's transforming her life into the next stage of her jewelry career. Thanks so much for joining me today here on Jewelry Navigator Podcast. And I want to give a couple shout outs to some people who've been chiming in to me on my Instagram feed. One is iomoon000. I love when she chimes in and, and lets me know what she liked about the podcast, the episode that she just finished listening to or that she's just starting to listen. And my friend and former guest she was a guest on a podcast episode asia nail who is also known as i rock gems and i made a post this evening about tomorrow's or about this (laughs) about this podcast and she said can't wait your voice soothes me on the kid-free open road the bling content doesn't hurt either thanks asia i really appreciate it thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate you listening If you have a moment, please leave a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen to. Also, I'd love to hear from you. If you follow me on Instagram, you can DM me and let me know what you're liking about the podcast, maybe some things that you're curious to know about, about jewelry, or you can email me and that's Brenna at jewelrynavigator.com. Till next time. Cross check your sparkle. Bye bye.